0: This is Lead with a Question.
1: Every single time, you know, I've got an opportunity to do something that was not done before, I took it. You know, I said, I'm gonna, it's a learning experience for me. So I'm going to go take, I'm going to do it, not because, you know, I have a specific goal in mind, but it is something I don't know. and And, and it is going to make my brain a little bit more pliable and flexible.
0: Hi, I'm Rob Cannellan. We live in a time when people are seeing that the old way of doing business is broken and that leading into the future requires something new, a deeper focus on humanity, the courage to let go of power and ego, a desire to nurture the conditions for co-creation, and the bravery not to have all the answers. On this show, I, along with my friends, Chris Deaver and Ian Claussen, connect with guests who embody these principles. And whether household names or not, they've shattered the status quo, often as misfits, to shape the future with others and achieve miraculous things in work and life. Let's dig into the misfit principle for a minute. What is a misfit really? Is a misfit defined by a language, culture, appearance, or personality? We've tapped into that topic before, but today, our guest has a different take, one that has a lot to do with seeking out opportunities to learn and be stretched as a leader. And for him, it all starts with a set of core values, none of which actually includes being more talented or intelligent than anyone else in the room. In this personal account, he'll guide us through his experiences, seeking answers to the question, what are your first principles as a leader? A conversation with J. Deep Renate. On this episode of Lead with a Question.
1: I've always kept this inquisitive attitude. You got to start with this fundamental learning mode. And so, if you believe that you do not know, and if you deeply believe you do not understand everything, then it is very natural to feel, you know, feel like a misfit, basically, anytime you do anything new, right? So, I have had, like, you know, this feeling all the time. Let's just put it, you know, that way. You know, whether it is in uh, your personal life, let's say you want to, I don't know, move into a new neighborhood, um, you're trying to make friends with your your kids' parents. You feel like you don't belong there. You know, it's as simple as that. You know what? You know, you have they haven't. Anytime there's an established coterie of people, and you're trying to get yourself into, it's very natural um, to feel like a misfit. You know, you're learning a new musical instrument. I've tried that. You know, I'm learning a new language. I try to keep my brain active. So I've been trying to learn French for the last couple of years on Duolingo. You know, as we have been all stuck indoors, and I think I'm pretty good. And I've, um, I, but when I start speaking to I attempt to speak with people who know French and very soon I realized, man, I, have, I don't know squat about, you know, uh, about learning French. You know, I mean, I know the words, but I, so you feel like what the heck did I do for the last two years? <laughs> <laughs> um, and at work, of course, you know, work is, it's very, very common, especially at the imposter syndrome, as you know, you probably very well know at the leadership levels, it's very, very common, especially when teams are looking up to you. Um, so you've been placed in, let's say, a leadership position. You're expected to make changes. It is very common to feel like, man, I just, I just don't belong here. This is not what I'm used to do. You know, they want me to do something I simply can't. They seem to have a, a group of uh, activities. Things are going very well. What what am I going to do differently over here? So, feeling like a misfit is is a very, um, I would say, common uh, phenomenon, um, and it happens anytime. At least in my opinion, my 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 experience happens anytime you get yourself outside of your comfort zone. You are asked to do something you know different than what you are normally expected to do, um, whether, like I said, it's professional life or you know your personal life. You are going to feel a little bit of you know odd in there, but that goes hand in hand, at least in my opinion, with the like I said, the learning mode. So if you're comfortable with the learning mode, then this is a very natural state to be in. So the, all you got to do is then you roll up your sleeves and then you say, I don't know, and then you ask stupid questions of people and you make it clear to people saying, I, guys, I, I do not understand this part. I'm going to ask these very basic questions. Please bear with me. And so you start with that attitude, and that helps you get over that uh, that very soon. Um, ask questions, like I said. And I realize, honestly, people will, will reciprocate that very, very easily. Like I said, if you come with humility, and if you don't come in assuming, I, I, I have the answer for everything, people will actually give you a lot of slack, cut you a lot of slack
2: yeah especially to your point you know to go into a room where there are people that are so brilliant right technically yeah yeah. and literally like world class right like you're not going to find people probably smarter in those areas right where and then they get in a room and you know and they're hey okay phds white papers they've they've written about this but you know we're gonna we're gonna create this something that is never like okay you know we're gonna create the impossible we're gonna do it together and that sense of humility, right, in a sense, or learning mode, uh, was just so prevalent. It's it's really, and and it's fundamental, right? But it's it's a paradox because, you know, uh, most of the time that doesn't happen, right? In the world, it's so people get so you know caught up in this notion of expertise and, in a sense of like protectionism, or or as you said, I mean, it's it's essentially the. It's like the foundation of imposter syndrome is this self-created sense of knowing, right? And so then it gets in the way. It creates this false yes, barrier. Yes. I'm curious too, you know, if we think about, like, you know, so kind of the engineering side of, like, okay, there's the first principles, right? That you break down and mm-hmm. say, what are those things that make for, right, the best design? Uh, and in this case, for you, you say, hey, what are, what are your first principles for? being a leader, you, you've alluded to w- this one we've ta- we're talking about. What else would you add to that list?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I um, that's a very good question. You know, uh, leadership, it, so first of all, let me state that uh, leadership has to start, like I said, with knowing that you do not know everything, you know, and that's what I call the, you have to be continuously in this learning mode. A good leader, in my opinion, at least, is always, always, always learning um and and I, I call it keeping my kind of brain It's like you know like a like a muscle right? you know if you don't act you know if you don't exercise it <laughs> it is going to atrophy um and that's that's why I, you you know me chris and i'm kind of you know, hyper energetic you know you are not i can't sit still and you know that's why i was like i said i, I began to bike you know in addition to uh, you know the running during the covid lockdown um, I, I began to learn a new language. I felt like I wanted to be, you know, um, <laughs> in gra- you, you remember Groundhog Day, right? So I, wa- I wanted to be uh, the second half of that, you know, <laughs> you know, make myself, you know, since I've been given this time, let me use it wisely as opposed to uh, moping. So the, the first principle always is a good leader start with, you know, this inquisitive mind. You know, you have to keep in mind that you do not know everything And you uh, are here to learn. That's step number one. Um, The second part is always never be afraid to kind of, you know, build a team of people smarter than you, right? You know, I've heard this from multiple leaders. You want people who are smarter than you working for you. You know, you do not ever want to be the smartest leader, smartest guy in the meeting, because the strongest leaders know how to uh, motivate, how to encourage, how to support the smartest people around them and make them do their best. And and that starts with a fundamental understanding that you are not the the smartest guy, you know, or the girl, you know, in in the room. And that's totally okay, because you're not a leader, because you're the smartest person, you're a leader for a variety of other reasons. Um, But this is the second principle, you have to build a team, you know, a team of, uh, and I remember, my old boss, you know, he came from the military background. and, And there are some things that I certainly take away from from what he what he taught taught me he, he he used to talk about this being like you know um, a team in the trenches you know when you are in the trench you have to be able to trust uh, the person next to you to be able to watch for your back you know you're trusting that person with your life and you can only do that when these are the best of the best you know so you have to have the people uh, uh, you know who are at the top of their game um a couple of other things that also, and there's a lot more by the way, you know, in terms of uh, 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 you know, approaching leadership. But a couple of other points clearly is always be clear about uh, what the objective is. You know, why are we trying to do certain things uh, as opposed to, okay, here's the next XYZ. That's the what is the simple part, right? Anybody, any, I always joke, any, any schmuck can tell you there's a problem when you know, it's in front of you. But what you need to be able to anticipate is what is coming around the corner, what is behind the building, what's you know what's, uh, what's behind uh, the, the hilltop there. So if you know the why of what you're trying to do something, then it's easy to be able to tackle these problems when they show up in front of you. So having this clear North Star about why it is that you're doing something, any activity, is a very, very crucial um, piece of uh, information that you as a leader need to Constantly uh, uh, propagate, disseminate amongst your team. Everybody has to know um, why is it that we are doing something, you know, as opposed to I understand what is it that we do, but why? Why? Why should I like you know, you know uh, uh, perform this particular experiment? Why should I fly to China in the middle of the night? Why am I like you know spending you know my nights and weekends over here? So that this very very crucial to understand why uh, you are asking people to do something um, that they want to do. Uh, And maybe a fourth item is uh, honestly, and this is also something I learned from my 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 previous boss. um, I prefer black and white scenarios. You know, the world I know is a very gray area. There's never a uh, you know there are you don't have a fixed you know human beings always have a spectrum of emotions, spectrum of actions. But as far as possible, when you when it comes to like rules and priorities and decision making, I have always found it to be extremely. Transparent and clear about my 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 black and white rules. In other words, no gray areas as much as possible. Um, because the downside of human beings being somewhat in the gray, operating in the gray area, is we, it, it makes people all of us somewhat irrational. You know, we make decisions sometimes that you know may not be um, the best in our interest, but we do it. I mean, Chris, you remember this, right? Apple was big on. We had train, you know, plane loads of people flying to China on a daily basis, literally, you know, I mean, if you go to San Francisco airport today, and if you take any airline flying to China, I guarantee you that there's at least, you know, five people from Apple in the business class, every single flight, every single day, every single month of the of the year, you know. And when people go out there, there are people who, you know, who will expense, I don't know, like a, a bottle of whiskey for lunch, for example, um, they'll cut corners, you know, and it's just natural, even though these people are making a lot of money, and we had very strict rules, if you remember, Chris. Right? We would fire people. This was this was a no, no. You know, you would not actually you cannot accept gifts from your partners. Um, we couldn't. When we went to, to to lunch and dinner with our with our partners, people we work with day in day out, vendors in any other company, they would take you out for golf outings. I'm assuming, right? In our case, we had to pay for our own part of the dinner or the lunch. So this is something I have never seen before, and this was this is the norm at Apple because. The rules are very, very clear. We do not want people to apply their their brains, uh, their very fertile brains in, uh, uh, in, in irrational ways. And so, and they will still do it, by the way. But, you know, as far as possible, it makes the decision-making very easy. You, know, you convey the rules very clearly. Um, and I totally understand that it is not possible to get to black and white in all scenarios, but as much as possible. As a leader, my job is, you know, I, I say, if I can convey with crystal clarity what I'm thinking, I'm going to have a lot less friction in 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 getting my point across you know when I say something people are going to know what I mean um and you know when I mean something specific I'm just going to say it you know the exactly as I mean it yeah I, I love that a lot and and it's interesting because yeah I mean companies like
2: Apple that have that culture of principles right they it, it vertically like hold deep to principles like that right where it's and and there's a lot of reasons for it because they don't want to be swayed or influenced by right the uh you know different organizations so of course they hold fast right to those principles and they expect that from from leaders and uh you know, now you mentioned the you know, going to China. I, I did that. You know, we did that together a few times. And uh, yes,
1: yeah I, yeah, I still remember <laughs> and I, Israel.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Israel. I remember being at the, um, you know, the customs or the uh, or the you know, checking in through the security and you know,
1: <laughs> getting into Israel. You almost got arrested, I think.
2: Yeah, I think I, I was going to get detained and you're like, Oh, let me just wait a minute with you because I, you know, I don't want you just being stuck in some dark room. And, you know, um, so there's like, uh, you know, I appreciated that, you know, saved my life a few times. I'm sure, um, <laughs> there was one in China. I remember now it's amazing. Most people don't know this. Yeah, I could put this out there. Um, but this has to do too, with Apple's principles about quality, um, being on that factory line, I remember going to the you know those places and just seeing the builds of the iPhone and the meticulous hand, uh, you know the the uh, the manual kind of hand 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 building, you know focus of you know all the way down the line that is completely really unique to them. Now the funny thing, as I'm walking through the line, I, I think I was there with you, um, or maybe you know we were on the same trip. And then of course, you know, I, I'm the HR guy, right? So I'm walking down the line, and but then suddenly, you know, since I'm from you know uh, corporate, you know, this big group of clusters around me, and they're like, "Hey, this guy's a VIP," and they're just kind of waiting for me to like say something about you know the technical aspects <laughs> of the phone. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, that looks good." I'm just nodding my head, like, "Yeah, that, that that's good, good, yeah, that, that's good," yeah. you know. Of course, I'm, I was I'm the strong I like silent type. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, you know. Uh, they,
1: they were waiting for some words of wisdom from you uh, or maybe, you know, words of encouragement. Uh, and so I think you did that. That was good. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just, just nod my head and smile, you know, and hey, you guys are doing great. Uh, so, um but yeah, that was, I mean, truly an amazing experience, Uh, you know, and then culturally, right. Every culture has, you know, or company culture too, um, kind of has their principles and, and, and you have yours, right. As a leader. And, and I'm curious, like, you know, what that journey has been for you, you know, in shifting and, you know, and, uh, and, you know, to Facebook and meta, you know, what may part of your learning journey too, and what experiences you've had that have been you know, definitive, maybe there,
1: yeah. So let me maybe a little background, might help because I think, you know, I've been fortunate to work only in a few companies. I've not, you know, I've, I've, I've had a generally long, uh, stable career in each of the places I work. So I started my, my, my career at the Qualcomm, it's a very heavy technology company, very proud of its, uh, you know, uh, technology focus. Clearly, you know, we learned about the people who started the company as, you know, as 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 founders of or, or inventors of algorithms back in, 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 in graduate school. So you're talking about Irving Jacobs, you're talking about Witterby. These are people that are the gods of the communication pantheon. And so you're working in a company. So that was a very different cultural, uh, you know, every company has a culture. It's clearly, everybody knows that. Probably everybody understands that. And it starts somewhat at the top, how it began. So Qualcomm was a very technology-focused company. You know, everything, you know, if you're a smart person, you would get recognized. You know, you you could, you know, talk on on, on um on its merits, um, you know, you you could get things done if you're a smart person. People would listen to you. Apple, very different again. Apple paid a lot more attention on you know, a, 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 let's call it. A, I don't want to say alliance with the, uh, but almost alignment alignment with the with the leader's vision. So if you believed in what Steve Jobs was saying, then you would like you know you you had to drink the Kool-Aid. We all used to joke about it. Remember, you know, so you to work at Apple, and I worked there for nine years. You know, so you, to work at Apple, you have to drink the Kool-Aid because it's a very very hard work. You know, I kid you not. You know, and I I, I joke about this when I when I uh, when I meet with my friends. I cannot remember many days when I would come home before eight o'clock. You know, I used, I live very close to where the company's campus is. And my wife is like, "What? Do you just like stick out there because you know you like you know you don't want to come home? What's going on? You know why don't you come home before 8? And I'm like, "No, I can't because my entire team is over there. I've got work. You know, China wakes up. Um, you know, by the time it's afternoon here, so by default, I've always got stuff. You know that I could do. Mm. You know, I could do more. So it's really up to me when to stop. And I simply can't stop at six or seven o'clock. I have to do that extra bit." And you do that because you have drank the Kool-Aid. You know, you want to change the world. You want to make a disruption and you want to do your little part. So Apple has this very, you know, visionary driven culture where you, there is this chip on the shoulders. We are always like, you know, behind somebody and we always want to go in and make a mark. And we used to call it making a dent in the universe, right? That's exactly what Steve Jobs told um, uh, Scully, I think, right? You know, uh, uh, from, uh, from Pepsi, do you want to sell sugar water? For the rest of your life, or do you want to come and, you know, make a dent in the universe, change the world? Um, so I like that term very much. I always use that. Now I want to make a little dent in the universe, you know, whatever it might be. And so that was the culture for Apple. But the downside, of course, was very, very hard, you know, uh, in terms of work-life balance. Uh, you had to dedicate yourself. You know, Apple uh, will take you and some more. Um, Facebook, my transition to Facebook four years ago, I got to say, probably, again, was one of the, I've been fortunate to probably have made either you know good wise decisions or maybe I'm an, a perennial optimist that I any decision I make I just say ah, that was the best one. Let's move on. <laughs> so it has turned out to be quite. That's probably it. I think it is not that the decisions are wise. It's just that I feel like they are wise. But the Facebook culture is entirely 180 degrees opposite. And I I, I kid you not. I when I when they first you know I was they were recruiting me. I would have never left Apple. Had it not been for this chance to make a dent in the universe, right? I had, as you know, we we built basically any any Apple device that had a radio in it. You know, I was involved with it. So, I built literally billions and billions of iPhones, iPads, watches, Macs, you you name it. They all have you know my uh, little fingerprint on it somewhere but the connectivity team at facebook had a very different mission you know i had worked on the consumer devices but they, the way they recruited me was it was a chance to bring connectivity to the underconnected or unconnected half of the world's population right we talk about 4g and we talk about 5g but even now even in the us there are populations that do not have a good connectivity like you and me take for granted today and it has it has been extremely underscored this need over the last couple of years, as you can tell, everybody's working. There are kids who have to go, and you've probably read this. There are kids who have to go to the nearest Taco Bell to get access to Wi-Fi and to get access to internet. So this massive divide between the haves and have-nots is even more pronounced in the digital world. So anyway, connectivity was my that was the mission, you know, and so Facebook is a very that's how I moved to Facebook, but the company is very employee focus it is unbelievable i thought this was initially i thought oh this is just a marketing ploy you know yeah what do you mean you get to work on what you get to but four years on i i I tell you um a lot of care about the company uh the person uh, a lot of care about the employee you are always encouraged to do the best that you can be you know in the place that you can be you're always encouraged to um i would say uh be open be bold you know, do, do things that, you know, would not, but do the best you can is, is another way to put that, you know? Um, and the fact that, for example, you know, we were one of the first companies to shut down and, and make everybody go remote. Uh, two years ago, the first company to publicly state along with maybe Google that, okay, we want to encourage remote work. You know, I think Mark has made public statements about half the company by the end of this decade, decade um, he wants half the company working entirely remotely. Doesn't want anybody in the offices. Uh, and we are one of the few companies to really be the—we still are fully not, you know, back in the office. You know, we first—I think June, uh, sorry, March first week was when we officially opened uh, for the first time. Many, many months after most companies were already back. So we are very careful. We want to ensure that our our, our, um, our workforce. So there is this inherent care about the employees that comes through. And you—you've been—you've been to the office. You've seen our campus, haven't you, Chris? <laughs>
2: It was probably nice to get back to that gelato, right? After after that long. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is a beautiful campus, and I I was happy to show you around, uh, Chris. You got to come back again now. Now I think that they're opening up. I think we are having our visitors come back. It is like, it is like the boardwalk. What is it? Uh, the uh, the uh, the Universal uh, Walk. The studio. If you go to Universal Studios, they have this boardwalk outside, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Or like the Disney storefronts, so, you know, main street Disney
1: storefront. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's
2: fun. It's fun. And, and yeah, the food's great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and you can feel are, it, right? You can feel what you said. It's yeah. like, Hey, there's this employee focus, this is an experience, right? Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, and, and it's, yeah, it's great to see too when companies can take a stand like that and that's in favor of right. People's life experiences. Right. Because yeah, I mean, we, we've all experienced a lot of change. Yeah. Um, that- yeah, yeah, it's good. It's
1: amazing, yeah. And, and and one more thing I will add on that point is, and this is something that again um, is I think very unique to Facebook. I have not seen that in other companies. It's the diversity, the diversity of thought, um, the diversity of actions. I mean, it is so heavily, actively encouraged because, and you've probably heard Mark say this multiple times that like, we are building a communication system for the whole planet. We cannot build it with you know twenty five hundred people in in the Bay Area in California. That doesn't represent the, the the population at all, you know, of the, the global population. We're not even talking about the U.S. population. So there is a extreme effort and focus on diverse ideas, you know, encouraging diverse ideas of all kinds. You know, it's not just gender and race and, and ethnicity and, you know, uh, sexual orientation. It's much, much beyond that. Just be open, be who you are when you come to work that is encouraged, you know, it is a, one of the principal tenets, and I have found it to be incredibly refreshing, you know, because you, you don't have to like, you know, put on some kind of a, a cloak every time you walk in, of course, you have to be respectful, you have to be trusting of other people, but you really can say what is kind of on your mind, in a, obviously, in a respectful manner, you don't want to put anybody down, or, you know, you don't, you don't want to like, you know, um, uh, uh, um, like I said, uh, uh, make it uh, uncomfortable for people, but you are, welcome to, to to be who you are you know, people come up dressed in all kinds of weird ways you know uh, it's just, it's a very fun environment and and it is encouraged because you want people to you know we want to get opinions from the whole planet that's the only way we're going to make the product represent the whole planet or you know be relevant to the whole planet
2: yeah I, yeah I, and, and as you're talking I, I keep thinking in terms of you know product and platform right so mm-hmm. like because at apple for example like part of the experience there was people would show up and they would embody right essentially what the products are right so they're they're it, they're, they're, they're the way they operate based on the culture yeah they're drinking the Kool-Aid but they're also intuitive right they're keeping it simple it. and focused you know like yep. like you what what you would expect from an apple product they are being that right you would expect from the people yes totally agree. and then as you're talking now with facebook it's you know granted it's bigger than that you know with uh, meta kind of across platforms I, I'm getting a sense, too, that, like, hey, that community feel that you have with the Facebook platform, like, people show up, right, as they are. And, yeah, uh, uh, and then that's part of – that's built into the culture. Yeah.
1: That's a very, that's a very astute observation, uh, uh, Chris. I think you're absolutely – now that you say it, you, you are absolutely right. You know, at Apple, it is all about high quality, high performance simplify simplification and focus as Steve, you know always used to we 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 heard you talk about it simplify things make it easy for them to use and the people come across like that as well employees are they're focused on the product we want there's a high bar um, you want them to show up like you know the product is and, and exactly on facebook you know you want it to be inclusive you want it to be nourishing and encouraging and people will come uh, do come across uh, like their product that's that's a good one we become the product.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's inevitable. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, I mean, probably a lot of people are wondering wow. Okay. So just Apple alone, for somebody to not just get into Apple, but to be and play at the executive level that you did, and then to do that at Facebook or Meta now. Um, and to have experiences with, you know, yeah, people like Mark and and to be building what you're building uh, to connect the world. Uh, you know, that's, it's, I, it, this is kind of the dream, right? We talk about, hey, what's, what's the dream? I mean, you have your dream list. I've had my dream list. It was Disney and Apple, right? And so I, I think people are probably wondering like, well, you know, what does it take or how, how do you, you know, what, what was your focus to begin with? Like if you, you know, roll back the curtain to you know, J-Deep and kind of starting, you know, your, uh, you know, your initial kind of career. Did, was there, was there, what, what were the the elements or roots of your success really of getting to where you, where you are now?
1: Yeah. So I think that is, you know, I've reflected on this, you know, so many times, you know, you, you go through all these, uh, uh, you know, company sessions, leadership sessions, there's always like a life map. You know, people ask you, okay, what's your life map? You know, and I've done many of these things over, over my, uh, um, over my career and my life, uh, including when I did my MBA, you know, we went through a similar exercise. It's like taking stock of, you know, how the heck did you get where you are? What were the, you know, key? And I got to tell you, the the answer I realized is probably not as interesting as as uh, as I would have liked. Um, so, for example, I've had, like I said, people with extreme, you know, uh, uh, let's call it uh, challenges as they were as they were growing up, you know, personal front, and I've been fortunate not to have, you know, any of those. Um, they have had to overcome significant, you know, um, let's just say hurdles. And I've been fortunate not to have to, you know, deal with that. So when I look back at my my life, it, it just feels somewhat uh, plain and vanilla, you know, to be very honest with you. But I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'll take it and I don't want uh, too many uh, challenges. But the one thing, I'll, I'll say a few things, you know, that, that you mentioned. I did not start off, uh, I never started off with um, with a specific kind of end goal in mind. And that goes back to what I told you at the very beginning about the inquisitive behavior, right? If you keep your mind open about the possibilities of what could happen, then you are freeing it up to do things in an unconstrained manner. That's just my belief, you know, and that may be very different from principal leaders who have one thing. I am going to send a man to Mars. Maybe you need to be Elon Musk. That's a different style of leadership. That's great. And you can get a lot of things done with that. I'm just saying from what worked for me was keeping it open. In other words, and Another metaphor I always use is like you know life is like a like a like a fast running river. You know, I mean you if you run any if you've done any river rafting, you know what I'm talking about. There are class two rapids, there are class four rapids, and the boats that make it to the end are not deep, heavy keeled boats that are strong and heavy. They're going to run into the first rock that comes across. You have to be like a raft, light and flexible. And you have to be able to ride the waves and go around corners, flip over a couple of times, come back up again. That's the only way you make it to the other end of life. So I have tried to live my life, you know, and my career like that. In other words, keep your mind open. Do the pe- Your principles are what is guiding you. You know, your skills and your principles are like the oars in the rap, but right? that's all you've got. You know, you've got nothing else that you can control. You know, you have only those things in your mind and and life's going to throw you different things along the way right the water's going to twist one way or the other so you got to be able to use those principles you know to the best of your abilities and navigate the course you keep your principles but keep keep it open you know you know keep it inquisitive you get thrown a challenge you work on it you know so i i did that my whole life you know whatever it was i'll give you an example back at qualcomm you know this was back in the 2000 you know It's known as a CDMA company, if you recollect, right? You guys know Qualcomm is known as the company that, you know, it's all about CDMA. There was a new technology. And in early 2000, we realized that, hey, if you wanted to uh, get to this new standard called 3G, it was all about UMTS, Qualcomm realized you could not sell chipsets or modems, as they're called, without having GSM, you know, the hated technology. You know, nobody at Qualcomm likes GSM. It was called the holy wars of the late 1990s, if you recollect. But we had to have GSM technology in the chip, and that goes. I remember uh, Rob, I was saying sometimes you have to things in have to have things that you know that don't work because otherwise you can't sell a product. GSM right. was like that. You could not make a cell phone back in the early 2000 if it could not operate on this much popular 2G system. So I was one of the few people in the company tasked with working on a 2G on this GSM. And people used to make fun of me, saying, "You're supposed to be in the CDMA company. You're the vanguard." Why the heck are you working on this old technology? But I said no, it's a challenge. You know, this is what we need to do. We need to go and take care of that. So, so I focused, you know, uh, on that, and and we were of course very successful with three G, and then I, I eventually left before we could get to four G. But the transition to three G from two G was a big, big deal for Qualcomm because it established them in this UMTS manner in this world as a worldwide player as opposed to just a north american player so i took up the mm-hmm. challenge the bottom line was i was open to take on that task i was not uh, you know um, um fixated on a specific thing or a specific activity i did i did the best uh, same thing with apple right you know at apple it, it, when i started back in 2009 you know i was asked to lead this small group called rf decency you know nobody even knew what rf sense meant and, and in a nutshell it is basically when you have a bunch of different radios operating in a small confined metal can, like the Apple Watch, for example, they don't like to, you know, be with each other. You know, it's like a porcupine. You're trying to stuff a porcupine inside a small box. You know, it's going to hurt. You know, uh, so that's exactly the deal with radios. You know, they don't like to operate with each other, and so when when they do, they interfere with each other. So we had a whole team focused on figuring out how how to make it, you know, easy for them to work with each other and not interfere with each other. And I got so many questions as to what is it that you do? Why are we doing this? You know, I had to explain this over and over and over again. It was a very hard job, but I, I said this is something that is important. I must do it. And so we built a team. We took care of the stuff. Um, so every single time, you know, i got an opportunity to do something that was not done before. I took it. You know, I said I'm gonna. It's a learning experience for me. So I'm gonna go take. I'm gonna do it. Not because, you know, I have a specific goal in mind, but it is something I don't know. And, and and it is going to make my brain a little bit more pliable and flexible. And so that, I think, is the central theme of my, at least my life. You know, when I look back now, 25 years, I'll be, uh, you know, uh, in the industry um, since my graduate school. It's the one common thing that I think has helped me and, and made me, uh, uh, you know, generally uh, happy with whatever work, uh, I've been doing and as a side effect, genuine, you know, somewhat, uh, somewhat, uh, successful, let's just say, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, doing okay.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the interesting thing that you've sparked in, in my mind, JD, as you've been talking because we've been approaching a lot of these conversations as, um, you know, misfits, In more of a cultural sense or more of a team dynamic sense, but the way you're describing being a misfit in terms of that learning mindset is sparking a lot of ideas for, for me. And it also, I think, runs counter to what we often think about in terms of career progression, because what you're rewarded for as an individual contributor is usually expertise, or some sort of unique contribution that only you can make. And that's a mindset that helps you through, you know, an initial phase of your career. But as soon as you start leading other people, it sounds like that mindset may no longer serve you. It may be more helpful for you to think about leadership in not not in terms of, you know, how can I be the most expert person in the world or in the room at the very least, but how can I, you know, unlock the engagement of uh, and the creativity of the people around me?
1: Totally, totally agree, Rob. And, and like I said, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of experts we need. You know, there are people who are designed to be, you know, continue to push that, that, that uh, technical envelope, for example. In my scenarios, you know, in some, you know, we need, uh, of course, experts. But a leader, if you want people to follow you, you cannot, I mean, almost by definition, you cannot be, you know, the, the only expert in one area. Because then you'll have other people saying, "Why should I follow? You know, you hear what you got to say." You know, I, I'm an expert in my own area. I don't need to take advice from you. So leadership, almost by definition, in my mind, I mean, becomes uh, more and more diffused, um, and you become dumber in in, in more and more <laughs> in in your areas. I mean, that's been my experience, and and I'm sure there are smart leaders out there, and I, I do consider myself reasonably you know well read, um, but I guarantee you, I'm not uh, I'm not you know half as good. As people in, in some of the people in my team, um, but that that is that is and that comes from. I mean, I this is the again goes back to in, inquisitive mind. I have, I have gra- gravitated more towards learning more things, maybe to a, a less deeper extent than being the expert in one area, really very really deep. That is what excites me. That is what keeps my brain active. I like new things, and and this is this is kind of you know it has I think helped me. Uh, from a leadership perspective, because because I know a lot of things about a lot of things. Just to be very very clear, you can I can argue with you about World War II history. We can talk about science. We can talk about geography. I mean, we can speak about a lot of different things, and uh, and I can I will be generally very accurate with with whatever I'm I'm, I'm trying to uh, to say. Because I that's what I want. I do not want to be known as the one expert in like one area. It would, it would mm-hmm. just simply not work for my brain, you know? And so uh, that's why I said at the very beginning, misfit is a state of mind. I'm continuously a misfit because I'm constantly trying to learn something new that I'm not a, not a member of, you know? I'm not a part of, and I'm totally okay with that. The last couple of years, honestly, have been eye-opening for, for us as, as human beings, um, but especially in the business world for leaders and how are you going to run companies of the future? It is, it is a paradigm shift, right? As you can imagine, as people have come to expect more from their company or their, their organization about support, about, you know, um, about, you know, understanding, empathy. Um, but at the same time, it has also become clear that they, they still, you know, they still need some structure, right? You know, you cannot just operate, you know, uh, randomly in like, you know, in your homes and just meet once on, on Zoom call and expect things to work uh, smoothly. So there is also a structure required. So this, this um, two worlds of of, uh, of having you know uh, different viewpoints, different uh, mechanisms, people's times times are different, there's flexibility expected. but also having to move in one direction, some direction is a big challenge for leadership. you know leadership uh, has to update and modify itself. To be able to provide that fine balance of okay, I need to give Chris the flexibility that he needs to take care of his kids because they are back and going from school. He has to help them out with his their Zoom settings. At the same time, we all need Chris to engage with the three other people that he needs to work with to keep moving forward. On. So, how do you balance this stuff? Is 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 the is the uh, part that is going to be very crucial for the future, right? And I think this is for here to stay. I don't think we are ever going back. To a world where people are going to expect to come in nine to five, it's not going to happen. Maybe in some industries, but simply not going to happen. And so that is where this inquisitive mindset is a must because we don't know the answer. You know, we nobody knows the exact answer right now. So if you start off with something that is like you know a set in stone, you are probably not going to like <laughs> the, the, the result. Uh, so you got to make one step forward, then you got to tack into the wind. You know, you're going to find something else, then you have to change again. And so you have to start off by saying to people, guys, I do not know. Folks, I do not know how this is going to work out. Here is what we will do for the next few months and we will see, you know, whether it works or not. And please tell me if this works or not. And if it doesn't, we'll make a change again. Um, And that's leadership because you're stating very clearly what your intent is. You're providing guidance and direction for the short term, but also being open to to the feedback and being open to modifying things as required. So anyway, you, you kind of like, you know, it, this has become crystal clear to us now you know it's been very interesting last couple of years you know and i don't know um how we we if we will go back i don't think so
2: you're tapping into something too that is it's it's that shift from and we think of you know we call it logos versus pathos which you know in the past that science of management has been very stacked right it's like hey i've got my agenda it may be one directional right it's like hey just sign up and do right and now to your point it's like this shift towards Heart and mind, and when having that openness or flexibility creates the possibility, so people can can feel they belong, right? They feel empathy because we do not have all the answers. And leaders, to your point, it's like we don't have the answers about everybody's ex- life experience, right? And to be positioned anchoring ourselves as having all the answers, well, it's just offensive to people, right? Because they'll say, "Well, you don't even know me, right?" Like, and you don't know my background, my yeah. experience. And I've always appreciated that, you know, about you as a leader. And I think you embody the future that way is, you know, c- that connection between heart and mind that people need, right. And and the empathy and compassion that goes along with and actually enables the future of building, because that's how also we're going to be building, right. Uh, these ecosystems yeah, of yeah. products and services and platforms of the future. It's really the only way. I mean, the other thing is, uh, you know, People don't want to be in a meeting where they say to themselves, "Hey, this leader could be replaced with AI." Like what they're saying is basically so robotic, right? It's just spitting right out of Google. Like there's no point to this. Versus, "Hey, this person—they're down to earth. Like they're connecting with me. Yes, they have a point of view, um, but they're inviting me into something, um, and we're connecting, right? I mean, the, the other—the other point you're kind of you're making too about this hybrid scenario is people have invited their work into their home now and there's no way around that and that's not like that's not going to change exactly and so they have expectations about their home where they would say hey i let certain things in my home and other things not i don't want that like whatever it is or the or the you know say the um yeah i call it you know mistreatment but it's hey it's just what i want is heartfelt i want connection i want to feel like i'm collaborating and working with people together
1: no i I like the term you said I, I will use it I like what you said about people we we have invited our work into our home because it was necessary right the fact that I'm on a zoom call and there are kids running in the back dogs and you know spilled coffee you have a window all of us have got a window into our colleagues lives that we had never had before right it is unbelievable you know this level of access you could you could call yourself uh, all of us privileged to actually see what is going on in their lives in a manner that really was is unprecedented and so you know it is it is it is interesting that you know we that, that we want to make use of that my point is we want to be able to capitalize on that and like connect at a level that is simply not um, not was was not possible before and 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 leverage that you know to get the best out of people
2: yeah and, and it was perceived differently before right mm-hmm. like like you remember that the video the news guy where he's like his son's coming through his, his toddler's coming through the door he's like yes, pushing yeah. him back right it's amazing because it's all about like it's hey an i gotta keep video. this image like just right and like that is so not the exactly. case now right like now if somebody shows up and we have this happen and actually at work it actually is the yeah, opposite it's, Yeah, yeah it's the opposite reaction you're like wow like Oh, that's cool. They're, you know, like, hey, there's the newest member of the team, right? Like, it's like, hey, wave. Yes, and, yeah.
1: say hi to Tommy. And, you know, yeah, and it, and it actually is encouraged. You know, we, we, I've heard, I've seen people's cats, you know their, their, you know, their best friends, their wives, you know, their children, I mean, their, their hobbies in the background. You know, it is uh, un, unbelievable, you know, uh, what, the, like I said, the insights you get into people's lives and they're privileged to get that um you know remember this whole background thing originally when we first started this there was this whole you know joke about what funny backgrounds you could put behind nowadays nobody cares anymore you know now just to see what's behind me and you know we're, we're fine <laughs> well and this in this
2: it's getting to a place now because of this and it's interesting it's like an inadvertent uh reality that's it's created is uh as far as principles like it you know we, we talk we we used to talk about you know work and life and it used to be this discussion about balance right and and i think that's also gone away to a large extent because it's all blended now right it's this blended life of work and life and the other thing is is that well this offers an opportunity where it's really felt which is it is not only blended but you know the i, I think the future in addition to being co-creative and the things we've talked about um being a misfit in a sense of staying in learning mode. It's also the reality of living principles and living in such a way where you're one, right? You're, you're, you're one in, in, in how you show up for work and how you show up for life. And that was said of, you know, Covey, Stephen Covey taught that and, in his, and in his funeral, uh, his son said that about him. He said, he, you know, He was one, right? And if you met him in person, you knew, you knew, you know, you knew my father like as he was. was, Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is, there's probably no, there's not that I know of a more powerful statement about somebody. Uh, And I I would certainly, I've seen that in you as a leader and as a person, as a human being. And I I appreciate that deeply because it inspires me. And I think a lot of people, I I know uh, your team to be not just better leaders and better at what they do at their work, but better human beings. Right. And, and, and to strive, you know, to be one, right. Where, you know, how you show up and granted, you know, we play different roles, right. You know, father, you know, uh, you know, husband, you know, um, work associate leader. But the reality is, is those principles when they're, when they're the same, when it's learning mode in all those categories, right. When it's, co-creation in all those categories how powerful is that and i, I just I, I can't say enough uh about how much you've shown me that over the years but also what you've shared as far as principles and how those can benefit and you know people in their lives and um thank you you know for 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 that
1: thank, thank you Chris. I, that is so heartwarming i want to just again thank you once again you know for all the for the friendship and for for, for all the kind words, you know, like I said, I'm sure not all of them are well-deserved, but I truly appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: This episode of Lead with a Question was produced by me, Rob Callan, with support from my co-hosts and BraveCore founders, Chris Deaver and Ian Claussen. The music you heard was composed by Ian as part of another project he's involved in called Moon Machine. Dave Arcade created our podcast cover art. Special thanks to JD Pranade for the conversation today and for providing a blueprint to building a life and career based on a willingness to be a principled misfit. Also, we really appreciate you for taking the time to co-create these conversations with us, especially when there are so many other things you could be doing. If you found any value at all in these episodes, could you do a favor, leave us a rating, even a review, wherever you're listening right now, it takes about two minutes and helps others discover the show as well. If you want to learn more about the work we're doing at Brave Core, you can check out our website at bravecore.co. The Lead with a Question podcast is a production of Brave Core LLC. Thanks for being with us.